This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, we have packed a few different shows together that we call Highlights to help you to get the most bang for your time in educating you on the topics that you want to learn from. We would love to hear from you. I am grateful that you are with us today. Have a blessed day. Brandon, tell us a little bit about your business model, who you are, and maybe why this asset class as well. You know, why you pursued this asset class after you tell us how you got there. Well, I opened up our first company when I was about 15 years old. I was doing cars and also RVs. I cleaned them for about 14 years. And then I quickly figured out at the end of it, after 2008 crash, that if you don't own anything that is going to own any assets, you don't own anything, right? So I quickly found out the hard way that I thought I owned something, but at the end of the day, I didn't own anything. So I got investing into assets in 2010. I began so like wholesaling the first couple of years. And then from 2010 through 12, I wholesaled. And then 12 through 14, I figured out quickly that I needed income coming in that I didn't have to like constantly always take care of things, right? So from 12 to 14, I built passive income of 5,400 each month. And then I got exposed to a concept down in Florida of how they care for the elderly. It was totally the opposite of everything I've been able to get exposed to beforehand. Back before, and I was exposed to all the, the huge 100 to 200 type places for the elderly that typically are going to have an odor inside. I hated the atmosphere. Our family member had a experience there that was pretty bad, actually, and he didn't get awesome care. And I just hated the overall atmosphere. But then down in Florida, I got exposed to it that was totally different. But that's kind of how I got into this today. It was that I discovered there was a need and it wasn't being properly taken care of. I don't feel that our country takes care of the elderly as good as they ought to. I feel actually how they do is actually it is terrible. And I feel that it could be done drastically different. And then as I got exposed to how it could be done totally different, I felt that I had to go after that and take care of it. So fast forward today to today, I've got five homes up and operating that are between 10 beds and about 20 beds per home caring for the elderly. I've got two opening in quarter three, 2022. And I've got 7.2 acres of land to that I can put six homes on. Awesome. So 2008 happened, you're already an entrepreneur, but you learned that, hey, if you don't own any assets, you almost own nothing, right? So if we could all just learn that early... Early on, when they teach me that in high school, you know, uh, but they didn't. But you started wholesaling, you know, and then you quickly figured out, hey, we, I need some passive income, right? It just seems like most so many of us go through that transition, right? Uh, but you know, you were even successful there in building that passive income. You said I think over five thousand a month, which is is great. I, I love how you were exposed to this asset class. Uh, you obviously had a, you know, you cared for the elderly, like you wanted to see something done differently. Unfortunately, your family member was receiving care and and it was very poor. And so I think it's so neat how, you know, as entrepreneurs, oftentimes, you know, a business is created because we see an opportunity, right? We see something that we won't change. And you did that, you're doing that. And so share a little bit about your business model. I noticed, like you said, this many homes, or you have 10 beds in this home. You know, oftentimes when I think of senior living, or we've talked about it on the show, it looks like a complex, right? Or, or an old hotel or, uh, you know, it's something like that. It's, I, you know, it's built that way, like an apartment community. Uh, and that's what I think of when I think of senior living. But you talked about, you know, this home model with so many beds in a home. What does that mean? Talk about the differences there, maybe why, 
you know, you're going that route. A big portion of the people that are older that I take care of, they have been in their own home for 40, 50, 80 years, right? Whoever thought at the end of that, they ought to go to like this huge, cold, 100 to 200 type building. Chances are it probably isn't going to be them. If they are asked, they would prefer to be into a home that's going to be a cozy home that has an atmosphere that is warm and it doesn't have tons of people, but it has enough people to keep them active, right? So the experience that I had was two of the total opposites. I have been in the 100 to 200 that has the odor inside. It has the atmosphere where everyone's asking you for help because I found out that the average caregiver there has to care for 20 to 30 people. And I said, no, that's terrible. But then I also got exposed to the opposite of it where they had a five-person house. And I said, you know, a five-person house is cool if you are the owner-operator, like in there doing everything. But like that's that isn't really a duplicatable company because you don't have the income to pay for anyone else to actually operate. So I have been in each of them and I said, you know, how about if we do something that's kind of different? How about if we do something that's like 10 to 20 people per home, but don't ever go over that, right? Just always keep it cozy and keep it where they feel that they are at home. And I feel that that's key. And I feel that post COVID, COVID has actually changed the industry of how people think of it, right? Over the past couple of years, you have heard of people in the hundred 200 type places that really didn't get very good care. And I think COVID's going to be the factor that's going to change how people think of it. And after COVID, they expect a higher quality of care and the 100 to 200 type places just isn't it. So we are doing everything we can to change the industry from a very big, cold type building to a very cozy home that has 10 to 20 per home. However, that doesn't tell you that all of us aren't going to have 100, 200, 500, 2000 homes that add up to a huge count. We're just doing it because I feel that how you offer care has to be the top thing. And I feel like these 100 to 200 bed buildings aren't really built for great care. They're built for the owners to earn tons of money. I like how you said, you know, keep it where they feel like they're at home, right? And I have a I have a grandfather who's 101 and grandmother that's 94. They still live at home, believe it or not. Uh, he's a World War II veteran. I mean, just they've been blessed with amazing health. But this last year or two, you know, it's really declined quite a bit, unfortunately. Um, and so, but we've been struggling with that. And, and, and really, they live in a part of the country where it's like, it's a one stop lot town, there's almost nothing there. So it's hard to find, you know, like care for them, you know, and so it's interesting to think about this model, where, you know, in that community, it's hard to see while well, building a big senior living facility, right? No doubt, if you had a home like you're talking about, there's plenty of people, seniors there that need that type of care as well, you know. Uh, so I could even see in, in different markets where, you know, this model would work, uh, you know, where the other model may not, uh, you know, as well in a market like that. Have you seen things like that? Well, I could tell you our very first home, I bought a house that was 4,880 feet on the very first floor, right? And it was on three acres, but it was in a town of 832 people. Now, if you think of that, so like you'd go, wow, that's a terrible place to open. But I filled it and I kept it full at so like 98% occupancy for over four years. So this concept is able to operate in all areas and it probably operates easier in towns where there isn't tons of people. I mean, under 25,000. Perfect for us. 
Adam, welcome back to the show. I'm, so, I'm excited to have you back. You've accomplished a lot. You and your team, I mean, you're in 10 states, 2,500 employees, 4,000 beds in senior housing. I mean, it doesn't happen again by sitting around, letting grass grow under your feet. By, by no means, you put in a ton of work. And we had a, a great show where we talked about many things around that asset class. You laid out many things that are so important to any entrepreneur in real estate. Adam, why should I invest in senior housing specifically? Not you all as much, you know, uh, but just like that asset class. So I've been in senior housing for a decade. It's in fact, in just about a, a week, we hit our, our 10 year mark. There's a couple things that I, and first off, you got to remember, I look in the mirror every day, drinking the Kool-Aid saying this is the best industry to be in. And so I am a little biased, but I will tell you a few things related to senior housing. One, it's a very need-driven business. As much as it, it's like a combination of real estate where people are looking for great rents with really nice amenities and good locations. And then on the other half, there's a healthcare component to it. What that means is it's they're really looking for a good team that's going to take care of themselves or their mother or their loved one, right? That's a nice blend of those two when somebody's looking around. And because of that, that need-driven nature of the business, um, what we find is, is that in various economic conditions, there's always demand. That's probably number one. But in terms of um, what I think are the three main drivers of growth in senior housing, first is that baby boomers are aging, right? And so baby boomers are still kind of in their 60s or 70s. Our average age is 86 years old. And when you look at baby boomers, everybody thinks, okay, after World War II, then people came home and they had a bunch of babies, right? And that's baby boomers. But when you actually look at growth rates of births in the United States, it started in like the late 30s in the silent generation. It's actually 1936, 1937. And that trend goes up for 20 years straight. And there's a little blip during World War II. And that's where they delineate between silent generation and baby boomers. So when we look at it, if you just take 1937, which is when things started picking up, and do that on my phone. So 1937 plus 86, which is our average age, that gets to 2023. So we're sitting here in 2022, and we believe that's the very beginning of just a huge demographic growth. So that's one is baby boomers aging. The second is just people living longer. Meeting somebody that was over 100 years old, 10, 15, even 20 years ago, was just like an amazing thing. And of our 30 locations, you can find at least a handful of people over 100 just every day, just at the property. So people are living longer. And then the last one is just the acceptance of senior housing, assisted living, independent living, memory care. You know, 20 years ago, it was maybe 8% of the population above 75 years old uses assisted living. Now, currently in the country, it's 13.5%. That's continued to grow in places where it's been around longer, like Portland or Seattle, it's more like 20%. So, and that's actually the largest growth factor. So to button it up, baby boomers aging, people living longer, larger utilization or penetration rate related to senior housing. And that trend is a 20-year growth trend. And we believe it starts in about now. That's the, the gist of it. Yeah, that's incredible information. And I don't know that I've heard many of those things are laid out that way. I have a grandfather that's 101, grandmother 94. They still live at home, believe it or not. So, so we've had to work through some of that, right? Or my mother uh, is, is working through all that. But, uh, you know, I was thinking through this and, and we don't have a ton of time to spend on this, but I just wanted to hear, because uh, you mentioned like the healthcare part of it. Uh, and I, I just wondered, is because I don't know this business, but is the healthcare providers or that part of, of your business 
business, which is so important, right? I mean, the care of these individuals is like your bread and butter, I would think, right? Uh, you know, you want them to stay, right? You want the families to be happy and all that. Uh, and so are those people on your staff, the healthcare portion, or is that, are they employed by you or is that a third party? How does that work? That's a great question. So the answer is yes. So the 2,400 employees that we have today, that includes everything from the general manager, who in our case, it's called an executive director, salespeople, business office manager, you have maintenance guys. A lot of that is uh, similar to what you might see in a multifamily project. And then you layer on like a chef, sous chefs, servers, dishwashers, that's your dining room. And then you have like a, a few uh, nurses like RNs and LPNs. And then they have uh, med techs and CNAs that help care for folks. And then you have activities people that um, that actually run activities, do transportation. Those are all people on our staff. That truly makes a difference. We say that chandeliers don't give care, people do. So there's a big component to the fact that even though the building is important, unlike multifamily where it's incredibly important, the more important thing or equally important is also just the reputation of your staff and their ability to actually properly care for on the people that live in our locations. Now, we are private pay, which means that people are usually moving out of their home into an assisted living where they get more of these services or independent living. And it's more personal care. So we're not doing anything like IVs or tracheotomy or feeding tubes, none of that stuff. It's really just grooming, bathing, maybe help with escorting, things like that, that are more personal care not necessarily medical related. I think that's a key component. You think about the average length of stay of those of our residents, which is two and a half to three years, and the types of care that they need. When people think of senior housing, they think skilled nursing, kind of step away from a hospital, and maybe not smells good, and it's not the most exciting place to be. Um, that's really not the case in senior housing today. It's, it feels more like a cruise ship on land. Good way to think about it. Thank you for being with us again today. I hope that you have learned a lot from the show. Don't forget to like and subscribe. I hope you're telling your friends about the Real Estate Syndication Show and how they can also build wealth in real estate. You can also go to lifebridgecapital.com and start investing today. 